I want to start a new series tonight, and I'm real excited about it. There are some keys that you must know and have a grasp of about divine healing to walk in it. Now, a lot of these keys will run over into other things because God has redeemed you. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. He was made a curse for you so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon you so that you could receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We want to take some time and talk about some keys. The first key I want to talk about tonight is you have to know that healing, divine healing, has been provided for you. Now, this is not a minor thing that's mentioned in the Bible. This is a major part of the character of God. He was, is, and always will be a healer. And so open up your Bibles to Isaiah 53, the great redemptive chapter. And I want to start there and launch off there. The reason we want to focus on you having a grasp, and what I mean by a grasp, see, we don't, we don't, when you, it's not like the world where you get a grasp on something and you just know it. See, with God, you gain revelation, but once you gain revelation, you keep peering into the revelation, and it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. You go deeper in Him, and so it keeps growing, I believe, for eternity because there's no limits in God. So in Isaiah 53, we're just going to start literally in verse 1 because I want to break this down a little bit. The reason why we're talking about having a grasp of healing belonging to you, if you don't know that it belongs to you, you will not lay hold of it. Because the enemy is going to try to keep you from laying hold. And, and I mean, you, the Bible says that they that know their God in Daniel eleven thirty two will be strong. And this word strong means that you'll be courageous enough to seize hold of these things. And the promises of God, you got to take them. The Bible says the violent take it by force. And what that's talking about, we take these things with our faith. Faith is not passive. Faith is active. And what, what we're talking about is we gain revelation knowledge of what God's Word says. You know, these Wednesday nights we're really focusing on faith and healing. And I want to I encourage you, go back and listen to some of these messages. You know, what we've been even teaching the last couple months has been really good, you know, to help you lay hold of things. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. This is, now, this is considered by every theologian that's worth anything that this is talking about the great redemptive chapter, all that has been provided for us in redemption. So in verse 1 it says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It starts out by saying, who hath, that's past tense, believed our report. This word report in the Hebrew language means an announcement. It literally means a doctrine. Who, who is it out there who has believed this announcement, this report? Well, what are you talking about? This is the report that was given by God to his prophets who have proclaimed these things. Who, the Bible says, who has believed this report? Who's going to believe God, what he reported? And it says, to the person that believes it, to, and to whom is the arm. Now, the arm of the Lord in Scripture is literally a type. It's always used to explain 
the manifested power of God. So it says here, whoever, you could say it this way, whoever believes the report will be the one that the power of God is revealed in their life. So that's how this whole thing starts. Are you going to believe it? Are you not? You know, Christianity, there's no control in Christianity. God has given you a will, a free will, and he'll never, he'll never force you or try to control or manipulate you, but he will always encourage you and prompt you to believe him and come to know him and to, and to lay hold of things, right? But this will always be a whosoever will let him come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here's the really cool thing about belief. It's a choice. That's all it is. And I got to tell you, I choose, I choose to believe the report of the Lord. I, I believe the report of the Lord above what I can see, what I can feel, what it looks like all around me in the natural. No, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Amen. Well, it goes on in verse two, and now it starts to talk about Jesus. It says, for he shall grow up before him, before his father, as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. It says he hath no form, that means no outward beauty, that's what that Hebrew word means, nor comeliness. So he, he has no outward beauty or comeliness. This word comeliness literally means no godly glory, splendor, and majesty. He laid all of that down. Does that, does that make sense? So there was nothing. He stepped, he, he lived on this earth as a man. And it says here, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Verse 3, he, talking about Jesus, is despised, that means he's disrespected and rejected of men. Now, he was rejected in his earthly ministry by a lot of religious leaders. But was he rejected by, like it seemed like everybody, while he was alive and doing ministry on, in the earth? Because he was, he was, I mean, a lot of times, they, multitudes would just get around him and want him and all this other stuff. And, and, you know, on Palm Sunday, they're proclaiming, hey, he's the king and all this other stuff. We're going to start to see as it's describing him here, and you'll see it as we go on, this is starting to describe him on the cross. So it says here, he is despised, he's disrespected, and rejected of man. A man of sorrows. This, this word sorrows literally means a man with physical pains. While he was walking on the earth, did, did, did it talk about how that he had pain in his knees and pain in his body? No, no. This is talking about on the cross when he was bearing your sickness and carrying your pain and my pain. It says here, it goes on, and he was acquainted with grief. L literally, that word acquainted means he experienced grief. The word grief is the word coli. He's, 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 he experienced sickness and disease well where did he do that when all of all of the weight and judgment of all the sickness and disease that was a result of the curse of the law was put on him again on the cross 
and we, his, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised or disrespected, and we esteemed him not. We didn't regard him. See, this verse 3 is describing him on the cross. Now, verse 4, it's continuing with the same thing. It says, surely, I think it's amazing, right in the middle of it all, God now is, and this is not a filler word. Surely, this, this word in the Hebrew language means without question, absolutely, truly. It's almost like God in describing Jesus on the cross, he takes, a, he takes another step and goes, I need to go even deeper because I know how big of an issue this is going to be throughout, ch throughout church history. Surely he has borne Again, that word griefs. He's born our sickness. Absolutely, without question, Jesus has borne our sickness and carried our, it's, it's, it says sorrows, it's the Hebrew word makab. It literally means carried our pains. Absolutely, truly, this is, this is a sealed thing. He has bore all of our sickness and disease and carried our pain. That's exactly what it's saying here. Yet we did esteem him stricken. Stricken. We, we esteemed him as stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. This word stricken means to strike another. The word smitten literally means to beat another, to strike, to wound another. See, it pleased God that his son was beaten and wounded and smitten with all of the result of the curse of the law. All the, the sickness and all the disease and all of it, it pleased God the Father. Now, this is his son, but it pleased him. And, to, and, and it says here, we did esteem, esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. This word means oppressed. So the God of heaven, his Father, allowed. In the Hebrew language, it's always this permissive tense. He allowed everything, the whole weight and judgment of all the sickness and all the disease and all the oppression we learn later in the New Testament, Jesus called sickness and disease the work of the enemy. He called it satanic oppression. All of that was put on Jesus. He bore it so you and I would not have to. So this is a big thing. It's hard to read these words. Surely healing is part of the redemptive work of God. God wants you well. And he's provided healing in your body or for your body. Verse 5, it says here, but he was wounded for our transgressions. This word wounded means he was pierced and defiled for our transgressions. If you study out this word transgressions, it parallels Adam's sin. Adam transgressed. So what this is saying, Jesus was pierced, he was defiled, he was wounded for our transgressions. The, because we were all 
we all were born in sin because of Adam's sin. It's saying here, Jesus took care of that. But then it goes on and it says this, and he was bruised, he was crushed, and he was oppressed. That's what that word means. For our iniquities. Now, if you study the Hebrew word iniquities, it talks about our personal sins that I've committed. Isn't that cool? Jesus' work was complete. See, it wouldn't be enough for him to come and die on a cross for my sin because what brought spiritual death in the world was Adam's sin. And it wouldn't be enough for him to just come and die for Adam's sin and not mine. No, the Bible says that Jesus literally died for the sins of the whole world. Every man, every human being that would ever live, that has ever lived in this earth, Jesus literally died for all their sins. Isn't that amazing? Now it says here, it says um, the chastisement. Now remember, all this is happening on the cross. It's, but, and, and it goes right into the next thing. The chastisement, the penalty, the restraint and the punishment. That's what that word chastisement means. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Where? On the cross. Well, what, is, what does that mean? This word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. It literally means the restraint, the thing that was restraining shalom from coming to man. The thing that, that the penalty that was keeping the shalom of God coming to man, it was put on Jesus. This word shalom means health. It means welfare. It means success. It means victory. Everything that could keep success and victory and welfare and health from you and I was put on Jesus. And, and literally, it was put on him. So now, I've been redeemed from the curse. Isn't that good news? And it says here, it was upon him and then and with, the literal word in the Hebrew language would, be, would, would read like this, and by his stripes. Actually, literally, it would read, and by his bruise. It was translated stripes, which gives us this idea that it was plural. But it's really the Hebrew word for bruise. And it literally, it, we can go into it, but it, it literally means that his physical body was ripped apart. A Hebrew scholar said this, if you could have seen one, one stripe on his back and, and could tell one from another, it would have had to use the plural word and it couldn't have used the singular word. So Jesus, he, this, the stripe, the bruise that we're talking about, he was just, it was, his body was opened up. But it says, and with his stripes or by his bruise, we are healed. Jesus paid the price. He paid the price. And that price that he paid did something about sin. It did away with it. It paid. The penalty for my sin was paid. There's no more penalty. Romans tells us that God the Father once and for all condemned and judged once and for all sin in the body of Jesus. He's not judging sin anymore. 
That's good news. Jesus paid the price, which also did something about sickness. Jesus also paid the price, did something about poverty and lack. It's all the same. He paid the same price, and all of it happened on the cross. Do you notice how in the church today, the church will major on the sin part? But they don't, they don't even, they won't even preach. Sometimes, I mean, some of the radical people will preach, well, God will heal if it's his will. But that's not what the Bible says. All through the Bible, it says it's his will, right? So verse 10, jump down in Isaiah 53 now to verse 10, and I want to bring this a little clearer to you. It says, yet it pleased the Lord, so it pleased God the Father to bruise. That means to smite and crush. It literally means one mass of torn flesh. That means you couldn't distinguish one stripe from another or anything like that. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Then it goes on and says, He, talking about God the Father, hath put him, Jesus, to grief. That word grief means sickness. God allowed sickness, the weight and judgment of all the sickness and disease, he allowed it on the, on the body of Jesus on the cross. There's a, there's a version of the Bible, it's the only it's the only Hebrew to English translation of the Bible that the Orthodox Jews will approve of. And it's called the Isaac Lesser Version. And of this scripture where it says he, God, hath, God the Father hath put him to grief, in this, in this version it even says he hath made him sick. Jesus, why am I saying all this? In the redemptive work of God, God the Father put all of it on Jesus so that none of it would come on you. This is the great exchange. He took your place. Don't ever call yourself a failure because everything that could cause you to fail has been removed. And, and see, this is where we miss it in church. Man, you know, I, you talk about, well, I just need... You know, just pray for me. I've got all these emotional problems. Can you just pray that, that I could get emotionally together? That God would heal, my, heal me emotionally because I have all these hurts. And that sounds so good, except it's not biblical. Because what the person needs to do to, have, to walk free from all of it is to renew their mind with the word of God. But, but we play church and we get all feely and emotional and, oh, come to, you know, we have this deliverance ministry. And no, no, get in the word and renew your mind. The Bible says when you implant the word in your heart, it brings healing and wholeness and soundness to the word. Jesus paid the price for sickness and disease in the same way that he paid the price for sin. You can't separate it. Just as much as he died for your sin, he also bore your sickness and your pain. Same, same thing. But do you see, because we've majored on the sin part, how easy is it for us to get saved? Oh yeah, I'm saved. It's just as easy to receive healing in your body. Because it's already yours. 
I can't wait as we go in this series. The Lord's been talking to me for about eight months now about how that healing is from within. So many people are fighting their flesh to try to receive from God, and that's not even... Satan loves it because it's the wrong fight. But we're going we're gonna to clear this up with the Word of God. It's going to be so easy to lay hold of your healing. God placed the punishment of sin and sickness on Jesus. He took our place. Jesus was our substitute. Therefore, healing belongs to us. Isn't that good news? So don't put up with that pain in your body. I don't care if you have an ongoing hangnail. Get rid of it. Right? Jesus was made sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God. Jesus was made sick so that we could be healed. Jesus was made poor so that we would be made rich. And Bible rich, an overflowing and abundant supply, a more than enough supply. That's what the Bible says. So now, this is really interesting because I believe God so knew how big this healing thing was going to be, he even gave us a Holy Spirit commentary on Isaiah 53, verse 4. So let's go to this commentary. Uh, the name of the commentary is Matthew, and it's chapter 8, verse 16. So go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, because verse 16 and verse 17 tell you exactly what Isaiah 53, 4 is talking about. You guys find Matthew chapter 8 yet? Verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word. Notice, notice he cast out the spirits with his word. He just told them to come out. And healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Well, you're like, but yeah, but pastor, it says it right there, that it might be fulfilled. So it was fulfilled that night. So see, healing's been done away with. I guess we could just shut down the church, right? No, you've got to look at what the Greek language is, the wording of it. In the Greek language, it says, it literally reads, that the fulfilling could begin. This Greek phrase, that it might be fulfilled, does not denote something that's ending. It denotes something that's starting. And it's going on today. There's more people being healed on this planet right now than ever in the history of man, and it'll continue to increase. That the fulfilling would begin or could begin, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, himself took our infirmities. That means the sicknesses and diseases and bear our sicknesses. Means sickness, disease, pain. These two words, two different words that are saying the same thing. This is powerful. He healed, how many of the sick did he heal that it might be fulfilled? All. All. See, God's showing. You know, you got to realize in the, in the earthly ministry of Jesus, there is not one instance that somebody came to him in faith that did not receive his, their healing. Not one. He didn't turn anybody away. He didn't say, no, it's not my will. The only time it says he was hindered in his hometown, it says he could 
do there no mighty works except get a few people with minor, not minor uh, ailments healed. But it was because of their unbelief. It wasn't because the healing power wasn't there. So we're going to look at a woman who was healed that had a spirit of infirmity tonight. But I want to lay a foundation because as we teach on healing, we'll go through different, we're going to go through different stories. There's 19 individual cases showcased in the Gospels of individual cases of healing that the Holy Spirit saw fit to showcase for us. In, in the book of Acts, there's nine individual cases. Now, this is not talking about where Jesus went out and healed the multitudes. No, this is like the woman with the issue of blood, the nobleman's son, you know, the centurion's servant, all, all of Jairus' daughter. There's 19 of them. And so from these individual cases of healing in the earthly ministry of Jesus, you got to realize these 19 were handpicked by the Holy Spirit for us. These testimonies that are in the Gospels are timeless. They're timeless. They're for us today. These testimonies, they represent the will of God for all men, for all time. Every one of these stories. I mean, wouldn't you think if God heals some and not others, that there'd have to be one example? There is not one. Not, not one See, why am I saying this? And you've heard this over and over and over. And if you come here longer, you're going to hear it more. Because we got to hear this. You have to know healing belongs to you. So much so that when you wake up with a headache or when something happens or when the diagnosis comes, you get in the word and you respond to that accurately with the word of God and you stand until you see that thing change. Because it has to bow to what Jesus did. John chapter 21, and don't turn there, in verse 25, it literally says this, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, on the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. See, these individual cases, they were recorded to build our faith for healing. They're recorded for us as a church. Why am I preaching these things? We are, we are literally laying a foundation that we can build our faith on so that we can bring this level up of this level of faith and healing up in our church. These, see, with, with physical healing, here's, here's the thing. Everything changes. The things change last on the outside. So if you don't look at the unseen that's unchangeable, the word of God, and just stand, you won't ever see it because things change last on the outside. When you believe you receive your healing, the word of God goes in and it changes it on the inside. I have to look up the quote. I have it. Uh, the founder of the Mayo Clinic said years and years ago, he said, we know there is an unseen foundation of, and root of all sickness and disease. And, and it's true. It, there's a spiritual root behind all sickness and disease. If you look at creation, 
I mean, the six days of creation. On the seventh day, God looked at everything that he had made and said, it is very good. And there's no listing of any sickness or any disease. And, and, it, and the Bible says that God rested on the seventh day. What that word rested means is it means he brought everything to an end. He didn't, he didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was finished. And there was no sickness and disease on the earth until Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And then when they sinned, the Bible even tells us that through Adam's transgression, sin entered the world and then death came by sin. And after that, now you start to see sickness and disease. That's why Jesus, it says of Jesus that he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He called it satanic oppression. Don't miss the supernatural because you're always looking for the spectacular. You know, don't... See, you believe you receive your healing. And you believe you receive it. You receive it. That healing power goes into your body and it starts working from the root. You might not feel anything. That symptom might even get worse. But you just keep thanking God that his word is true. And there is nothing that can stop it from coming to pass. We're not Christian scientists. Right? We don't believe that, well, you know, I was diagnosed with this, but it's really not real. No, no, we don't deny. Faith never denies what I'm facing. It just denies its right to be in my life. And it says it's got to leave. This is huge. Things change last on the outside. They've already changed on the inside. But see, God's word will change this subconscious image that you have on the inside. As you meditate in the word, you'll begin to observe yourself doing the word. What does that mean? You'll see yourself well. Don't quit. Just believe and keep expecting. That's what we do. Amen? Go to Luke 13 and then go to verse 10. What do you say when you're believing God? Walk around and just say things like, the word is working mightily in me. We used to sing a song like that. The word is working mightily in me. I am the healed, right? This is how you lay hold of these things. So this is a woman who was healed with the spirit of infirmity. In Luke chapter 13, verse 10, the first thing it starts out and says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Well, I love what it says. You could stay here in Luke, but in Matthew, in, if for those that are taking notes, in chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages doing what? Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the, the people. Jesus' ministry, it literally was teaching, preaching, and healing. When he went to his hometown and he couldn't, because of their unbelief, he was stopped. The Bible says he left there and went about teaching. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Jesus is always trying to get people positioned to receive from him. So Jesus, it says here in verse 10, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. The synagogues were a place where they would come to hear God's word. So he's in the synagogue and he's teaching 
And here we go again, another one of Jesus' Sabbath day miracles. The Sabbath was a day of rest, right? In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 3, it says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. If you go and you jump to verse 9, it says, There remains a rest for the people of God. Verse 10, For he that has entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Verse 11, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. This word unbelief literally means rebellious disobedience. When you and I choose to say that we cannot have what God's word says it's, he's already given us, it's rebellious disobedience. The Bible says we got to make sure we labor to enter into rest so that doesn't happen to us. we got to make sure we've, we're ceasing from our own works and we're only working out what he's working in. This is so important. This is why we always say this, faith is a rest. When I walk by faith, I've ceased from doing my own works. I'm literally walking out what he's working in. So that's, that's the walk of faith. We are living in the dispensation of grace. Right now, I receive through faith everything that God has provided for me by his grace. That's the dispensation we're living in. We must receive through faith what he's provided by his grace. That's the only way we can receive. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. The Bible says this, if we come to God and even ask him for wisdom, we got to ask him in faith with nothing wavering because it's impossible for us to receive anything apart from faith from him. So it was possible for people in Jesus' day to have faith because Jesus was teaching. They were hearing God's word. So remember Jesus' works, teaching, preaching, and healing. I'm going to read a few scriptures here just about that. Well, actually, I'm just going to read one. Luke 5, 15. This is, this is a big one, and I'll leave the other ones. But so much the more, Luke 5, 15. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to be healed by him of their infirmities. Well, it says that, but it says something else. They came together to hear and to be healed. Never forget that. Isn't that amazing? But, but it's not super amazing to you guys, is it? On a Wednesday night, you were looking forward to tonight. I start looking forward to Wednesday night about Sunday, about 1230. You know, I mean, I just look forward to it because the word is so good. But you, you, you look forward because you didn't come here to hear from Tony Finley. You came here because you know the spirit of God is going to speak to me through his word tonight. And it's going to build me up when I go home after this service is over. Even though, man, maybe for the last 25 Wednesdays coming here, I'm going, wow, am I tired? I've had quite the day. Everything's blowing up. And then you come here and you're like, you leave going, oh, I'm so glad I came. I just feel refreshed in the world. Well, what is that? It's the same thing that happened. It's the anointing. They came to hear and to be healed. Not just to be healed. See, this is what's happening in the church today because 
because there's no passion for the Lord because we don't know him. They just want to come, okay, hurry up, preacher, and can you preach 15 minutes because I got to go. Well, I could preach for 15 minutes, but if you ever get diagnosed with cancer, you're going to really wish I didn't. You're going to wish you knew what the word said and had built your faith and, are, and, and you look at the doctor and you shake his hand and say, thank you for that diagnosis. And then you turn around and you walk out that door and you say, no. You walk, you walk out that door and say, Father, I thank you that Jesus bore this cancer. I don't have to bear it. It has to leave my body. Right? And, 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 and I'm going to live long on this earth, and I'm going to declare the works of the Lord, and this can't live in my body because I'm a child of God. Not because I'm anything, it's whose I am. See, we got to know him. Doesn't Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is built as you hear. Never forget that. Not as you have heard. As you present tense here, I'm in a better place today because I've heard something from God's word. I'm in a better place today, literally, than I was yesterday because I've heard more from God's word. And that's the way life is. Many, many, many believers want healing and prosperity, but they refuse to hear doesn't work that way. you got to hear. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, as well as unto the children of Israel, who it's talking about. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You have to use your mixer. You have to, you, like tonight, you're hearing the word, but in order for it to profit you, you're going to have to mix it. So let me tell you, the, the good news is, every one of you brought your mixer tonight. Because right. if you measure about an inch below your nose, that's where your mixer is. So if you'll mix, if you'll just mix this word with faith, so you go home and you start saying, Father, I thank you that you're my healer. You bore my sickness and carried my pain, and I don't have to. And as a matter of fact, Father, I refuse to carry any of it. Right? So what are you doing? You're mixing. But if you just sit there and go, wow, that was a good sermon, and you think, wow, that's really good. You know, people go to meetings, and they tell them, okay, now I want you to, I want you to get real quiet. And we're going to get really quiet and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal this thing that's messing you up. Because maybe you need to forgive your great, 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 great grandfather for something he did or whatever. And then you'll be free from it. But my Bible doesn't say that. My Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind, I look, I look forward and I press forward. Now, now, the deliverance things and getting deep and you could have your own program and, and oh man, it's just so good. No, the only problem with that is the Bible says you can renew your mind and get free from that. The Bible says that to get free, I forget the past and move forward. And, as, and I'm telling you, this is what happens. As you're walking forward, as your eyes are on the word, as you're meditating in the word, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance, you know, you gotta, you gotta forgive this person that hurt you. 
But now you're in a position to go, yeah, you're right. Because his words are enablement. And you go, Father, I just declare I forgive them in Jesus' name. Or if you have trouble, I've had trouble forgiving someone. And, all, and the Lord's just like, you got to forgive them. You know what he didn't say? You got to forgive them or else. He didn't say that. You got to forgive them. So I want you to start praying for them. And years ago, I learned a lesson that when you start praying, I was a young man, and when you start praying for someone, you will see them as God sees them, and forgiving them is so easy. See, as we just, as we take the word of God and meditate in it day and night, it'll get us free because the Holy Spirit will help us. Many want healing and prosperity, but they refuse to hear. So, we're flying through this story. We're to verse 11 now. Are you, you in verse 11? Verse 11, woman that was bowed over with a spirit of infirmity. It says this in verse 11, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. 18 years. And was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. I was in a, in a restaurant and I was, I was with some people this week and there was an elderly couple that were coming to eat and he had a walker and he was literally bent over the walker and he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't straighten up. And you know, you could tell, I mean, even eating, he was bent over and you know, just he, he couldn't really straighten up very well, but sit in the sitting position, he was kind of up, so it was okay, but he was still struggling. But when they left, I mean, he still, I mean, the guy, he's got a walker. He's, it was, he's opening the door for his wife, all bent over. But that was this lady. Could you imagine? 18 years, somebody's coming to Faith Family Church, bent over, cannot straighten up. And the Bible says she had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, was bowed together, and could in no wise lift herself up. The first thing that jumps out at me is did you notice that she was in the synagogue? She didn't let her condition keep her from going to church. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, oh man, I was just, I was just too tired to go to church. I've never seen a dumbbell or a kettlebell or a treadmill in here. I mean, you don't work out, right? You just kind of sit there. I mean, you could wave your arms and worship. I guess we could call that aerobic, maybe. I don't know. But, but did you see, do you see this? You could kind of see this lady. She still never let her condition keep her from going to church. That's interesting. Hebrews 10.25 says, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Why am I saying that? Come and get help. Man, I can't wait until people, until people are flooding into this place because they want help. Because we know how to help them. This lady had this condition for 18 years. Know this tonight. If you've been standing and you've been having something in your life, let's just say you've had a condition in your life for a long time. 
know that there's one example right here that God moves in situations where people have been in a condition for a long time. He sees it and he's well able to move. That is no big deal to God. The nature of her condition, helpless. There was paralysis. There could have been a deformity. We don't know. But we know this was chronic. It was long-term. 18 years so far. If we look at the cause of her disease, her condition did not come through natural courses. It says she had a spirit of infirmity. Her condition came through the agency of an evil spirit. An evil spirit had attached itself to her body. And that was, that was what was causing this. Its presence was revealed in her physical condition. You could look at her, Jesus looked at her physical condition, and in this situation, it wasn't her sin, it wasn't Adam's sin, it was a spirit of infirmity that attached itself. He knew that. Okay? Her body was bound by a spirit of infirmity. Notice in verse 16, we're going to notice here it says, Satan bound her these 18 years. So we see the root of this. But remember Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. In the Greek language it says, even with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. See, Satan had bound her. You got to know this today. Satan binds, but Jesus has already provided freedom for every one of us. Every one of us. Jesus called sickness and disease satanic oppression. So she was bowed over and could not straighten up. Now, one thing that's real interesting, did you notice how Jesus, in this story, you're going to see he never talked to the evil spirit. Never even acknowledged the evil spirit. Isn't that cool? I love the Syrophoenician woman's story. He, he just said, he, he said to her, woman, your daughter... Your daughter's whole. Your daughter's free of that evil spirit. Her daughter was in another place. That's the kind of authority. But see, Jesus gave that authority to us in his name. Jesus never said to this lady, her sin caused this to happen. Verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. Now, I've been in a synagogue... You know, we were in a synagogue, remember, when we were in Israel, and, you know, there was, there was seating over here where I think the men would sit, seating over here where the women would sit. It's like, Jesus, come on, give this lady a break. Can you just walk over to her? Why are you making her walk to you? Jesus was always trying to get people in faith. Always. So Young's, it says, when, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, he said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. In the Young's literal translation, translation, it says, and Jesus, having seen her, did call her near and said to her, woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. Not going to be loosed, you are loosed. We see her faith in that she came near to Jesus. See, the implication here is he was requiring her to come to him. 
I mean, think about it. Could you imagine that you, you walk bowed over all the time? No, I mean, could you imagine if, you, if that was you and you walked into a restaurant or came into church? Do you think Satan would be on that person's shoulder going, look, everybody's looking at you. You are that person. Notice how you're not invited over or this. I mean, think about all the things he's messing with them on, right? It took her faith on her part to stand with Jesus when, everyone, and when everybody else was standing against him. And what I mean by everybody else, the leader of that synagogue. We find out his response, but you could just see this guy when, he, when Jesus called her, hey, come here. This, this leader of this synagogue, this rabbi is standing there going, oh man, he bet, oh no, you don't do that in my synagogue. I heard, I heard from my other rabbi friends what you did in their synagogue. You better not be doing it because it's a Sabbath, right? Faith, never forget this, faith is acting like God's word is true. Jesus said she was loosed Woman, you're loosed. Could you imagine? I bet people were going, what? She's not loose. She's bent over. Jesus said that she was loosed when she was bent over. He said, you are loosed. He didn't say you're going to be loosed. Jesus took this. What he did right here is he took this out of the realm of time. Do you see that? Satan will always try to get you into time. You're going to be blessed. You're going to do this. Not ever I am. But you're a New Testament believer now. Everything has to bow to who you are in Christ. You are loose, not you will be loosed. Why? Because this already was a completed work. Faith always speaks the answer Faith never speaks the problem. Right? The, it says in Luke 4.18 of Jesus, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He's anointed Jesus to do what? To preach deliverance to the captives. The Beck's translation of this verse literally means he's called me to announce to the prisoners, you are free. Here's deliverance ministry, not throw up in a bucket, not do this. No, 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 no. Jesus came. You are free. We got to get this right. Jesus announced to the woman, you are free. In other words, Jesus declared her freedom. Number, step number one, Jesus declares her freedom. Faith is always now. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is. Faith calls it done when you don't feel like it's done. Faith calls it paid. He calls that bill paid. He calls that debt paid when there's no money that you're seeing. Faith calls you free when you still look and feel like you're bound. Faith opens the door. The Lord told me this. You might want to write this down. Faith opens the door for God to impart power and life into your spirit, man. Man, when you walk by faith, it literally, your faith, the, the fact that you hear God's word and have put it first, first, it opens up your spirit that he just infuses you with power. 
It's wonderful. I can't even talk about it. It starts happening to me. When you believe God's word, you put your words in agreement with God's words. Then the anointing of God will come and affect what you're believing. You put your words, you line your words up with his words. We call that homologeo. And when you do that, the anointing of God is right there to change your situation. So verse 13, and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Always remember this. Because we got people walking around going, you know, God, I got, I got prostate cancer and it, it, thank God for it because it drew me closer to God. Now, I'm so glad you got close to God, but it doesn't take prostate cancer to, to bring you close to God. Here, here's the truth. Here, here's the truth. Never forget this. The works of Satan glorify Satan. The works of God will always glorify God. You got to learn that. Jesus laid his hands on her to perform what he already declared. Do you see that? See, the Bible says that we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We're laying hands on the sick. We don't lay hands on the sick and say, okay, Father, I ask that you would heal this person. Because there's no verses where God says, I'll heal anybody. There's all kinds of them that says God's already. So you lay hands on people now you lay hands on them and you say, receive your healing. You're free, whatever, right, as you're ministering. You're laying hands on them to declare what you've already declared, what God's already declared as truth in their life. Do you see that? Verse 14, and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. So he's heated, he's angry, he's grieved, and he answers Jesus with indignation. Because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Notice the progression. Jesus looks at this woman and says, you're free. Then he lays hands on her and she immediately straightens up. And, and everybody in the whole synagogue except the rabbi is going, wow. Because this lady's been this way for 18 years. And now she's straight. You think that rabbi, you think that rabbi would be happy. But he's filled with indignation and he answers Jesus because that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people. So now the, rab, the rabbi's saying to the people, there are six days which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. He considered the healing of the body of this lady to be on a lower spiritual level than something that should be done on the Sabbath day. He considered healing of the body too common and mundane to do on the Sabbath day. He was saying healing's okay, just not on the Sabbath day. Preacher, it's okay. You could teach. You go ahead. Tony, you go ahead and just preach that God heals if it's his will. That's okay. But when you start saying he's provided it for everything, everybody, Ooh, boy, we're not going to talk so nice about you. And to that we all say, who cares, right? Why didn't the leader of the synagogue heal her on another day if the Sabbath day was such a big deal? So verse 15, now Jesus responded very harshly to religious leaders. 
I mean, he would get in their face. You whitewashed tomb. But the worst thing he would say to them was he would, say, he would call him a hypocrite. The Lord answered him and said, you hypocrite. He was a play actor. He's a rabbi who acts like he loves people when in reality he loves himself. That's why this word is used. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead them away to watering? See, in the law of Moses, it didn't say anything on the Sabbath day that you couldn't do that. But they had this book. It's, it was a commentary that explained the law of Moses. It was called the Talmud. And it would explain all these laws. And in the Talmud, it said, you cannot take care of your animals on the Sabbath day because you walk too many steps and it's considered work. So according to their custom, but Jesus is calling this guy out. Listen, every, every one of you people on the Sabbath will go water your ox because they bring money into your house. And then he says this, and ought, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, check this out, who Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? He's saying she's a daughter of Abraham and she's bound by Satan. These are two reasons why she needs to be loosed right now. Verse 17, and when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So I want to close with these two reasons. Hang with me. The reason why she should be loosed was because Satan bound her. The reason why you as a child of God should always walk in healing is because Satan's the one who binds and Jesus has set you free and made you free from that. Right? So Acts 10.38 tells us that. The second reason, and I'll close with this, is because she's a daughter of Abraham. She should be loose because she's a daughter of Abraham. See, the blessing of Abraham. Galatians 3.13 says this. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We know, according to Deuteronomy 28, under the umbrella, the curse of the law was spiritual death. And under that umbrella, if you read chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, it lists the curse of the law as being sickness and disease and poverty and lack. And it says, Jesus Christ, or it says Christ, the anointed one in his anointing, he, he literally redeemed us. He bought us out of the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. He did that, so verse 14, so that the blessing of Abraham would come on the Gentiles. The blessing of Abraham. You see in Abraham's life, do you know Abraham prayed for sick people and they were healed? Part, and, and we're seeing it right in this story. She being a daughter of Abraham should be loosed. Healing is part of the blessing of Abraham. Well, so now you're saying, okay, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, verse 29 of Galatians chapter 3 says, and if you be Christ's, are you Christ tonight? Yes. Then are you Abraham's seed and you're an heir according to the blessing. Galatians 3, 7 says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith are the same are children of Abraham? 
Does it say that? It says some other things too, but I don't have time to go into it. But what I'm saying tonight is you have a legal right to walk in healing and health. It, it's, it's an established fact. You have to know healing belongs to me. Jesus paid for anything. I wake up with a sore throat. That was already carried by Jesus. I don't have to put up with it. So what do I do? I start building my faith in these areas. If I'm on medicine, I take my medicine in faith. If I'm going to go have a surgical procedure, I do it in faith. But I'm always being led by the Spirit of God, full of the Word, on how to walk this out. But realizing that divine healing, it's not a surgical procedure. It's not medicine. It is Jesus literally bore it so you don't have to. So we want to grow into these things. Amen? So I left, I, I took you a little bit long tonight, but this is so important. So I hope, I hope that the Lord would just, I, I encourage you to meditate in, in, in these scriptures. Well, let's pray before we go.